Hi, I'm Dan Permack, and welcome to Axios Recap. Today's Wednesday, July 8th. COVID hospitalizations in Florida are way up. United Airlines' workforce may be going way down. And we're focused on the TikTok economy. TikTok, for those who don't know, is a mobile video sharing app that's quickly become one of the world's largest social networks. Hootsuite estimates that around 800 million people log on each month, and of those, over half of them are under 24 years old. But what's popular with the kids isn't always popular with their parents or grandparents. And nowhere is that more evident than in Washington, D.C., where President Trump last night talked about banning TikTok because of its ties to China. Three things to know. First, TikTok is owned by a Chinese company called ByteDance. U.S. officials, particularly in the White House, believe that ByteDance is too closely tied to the Chinese government, thus possibly putting U.S. user data privacy and cybersecurity at risk, although the legitimacy of those concerns remains unclear. Two, TikTok has insisted that its U.S. business, which only makes up about 5% of its total global business, is siloed, going so far as to recently hire Disney veteran Kevin Mayer as its U.S. CEO. Three, U.S. politicians have actually been talking for a while about their TikTok concerns. We even did an episode of my old podcast on it last year with Republican Senator Marsha Blackburn. But it's heated up in the past two days, with Secretary of State Pompeo and then Trump himself both raising the specter of a ban. And before you dismiss that out of hand, it's worth noting that India, the whole country, just banned TikTok, where it had more than 300 million users. Were TikTok to be banned, obviously it would be a disaster for ByteDance, which is currently the world's most valuable privately held tech company. But it also would impact a growing ecosystem around TikTok, including a group of influencers. The single most popular person on TikTok right now is a 16-year-old high schooler from Connecticut who has nearly 70 million followers. To dig in more on the TikTok economy, we are joined now by John Shahidi, who runs something called Shot Studio, which represents influencers on all sorts of social networks, including TikTok. We're joined now by John Shahidi, CEO of Shot Studios. So John, you have influencers who work on all sorts of social platforms, Instagram, YouTube, et cetera. Can you give me a sense on how big TikTok is for them now? And I guess, is there money in it right now? The money's just now starting to come in. I think brands have always been kind of very extra careful with creators on who they want to spend their money with and who they want representing their brand and just now starting to identify the more brand safe and on brand creators right now, we're starting to see some pretty big checks, which is crazy because one year ago today, we didn't even have any TikTok accounts at all. And now we have, I believe we have nine channels and over a hundred million followers. And now the, the real money is now starting to come in. But I think it's just taking a little time for brands to really understand TikTok as a platform and the proper creators. Are they the same creators? In other words, do you have folks who you've represented for a while on other platforms who have successfully kind of migrated over to TikTok or is this largely a new group of people? There's a couple creators, Cash Baker and Maverick Baker, who were big musically stars and we were able to help them convert into becoming TikTok creators. So they've been native to the app since musically. Most of the other accounts that I was mentioning that we didn't have a year ago were YouTube creators, Instagram creators weren't on TikTok yet and we were able to create TikTok accounts, grow them rapidly. Some are actually growing faster than they are on Instagram. In the case of Hannah Stocking, by the end of this year, she'll have more followers on TikTok than she will on Instagram. So it's just a combination. 
You mentioned Musical.ly, and I should say for listeners, Musical.ly is the app, the Chinese app, the TikTok or the ByteDance bought to create TikTok. But John, you also created an app that was very similar, and you argue, I think, right, that Musical.ly cloned it. And if so, are you pissed off? Because shouldn't you own TikTok? Yeah, so I didn't create it. We actually bought Mindy. Silicon Valley listeners know because it was actually backed by a lot of better uh, Silicon Valley investors like Jack Dorsey, Ron Conway, STB Angels. And we bought Mindy in 2016. One thing that no one really talks about much, a few friends of mine talk about on Twitter, like Ryan Hoover always reminds me, musically just really just cloned Mindy, like literally cloned, like not was inspired by, like clone. So does it piss me off? You know, I mean, Dan, you know, I, you know, we had another app, the Shots app, and it's really hard to build a community. And Musical.ly and TikTok have done a great job building a community. Our timing wasn't the best timing. Even the Shots app wasn't the best timing. We were competing against Snapchat stories at the time. So a lot of the social networks, it really comes down to timing. And I think TikTok's timing this past year has been great because people kind of want to see shorter form videos now you know, now that Instagram's become so many other things. You talked about how a year ago you didn't have any TikTok accounts and now you have all these TikTok accounts. What was the thing that made you finally make the jump and say, you know what, we need to jump into this. This isn't just a flash in the pan. The reason why we really didn't get on early was because going back to Mindy, a lot of my ego was telling me we can't give in this company, you know, clone the company that we own. But then a lot of our fan base would ask us, why aren't you guys on TikTok? And, and then I was getting people who were sending me different TikToks that weren't really lip syncing, which is what everyone thought of musically. And I just saw different styles of creativity happening on the app. I said, you know, I think it's a time to like, you know, step away from the ego and let's figure out a way in a cool way to get on this app. And that's when we figured out our own angle versus doing what everyone else was doing, which a year and a half ago was lip syncing and now it's dancing. We don't do that. We have our own different lane that we've created on TikTok with comedy sketches that have, you know, just really given us an identity. So we didn't really follow a trend that everyone was following. So, John, in the last kind of 48 hours, two people in the White House, Mike Pompeo and then President Trump, have talked about possibly banning TikTok. How do you read that situation, particularly as somebody who does have a business that relies in part on this app being online for U.S. consumers? You know, I've always thought that this day would come. I always felt that, you know, and I'm, I'm not saying that ByteDance does anything with data. We don't know. They've even talked about their servers being US-based servers and, you know, they're not giving it to the Chinese government. But I always felt that this day would come because the one thing that ByteDance doesn't have, and I've done some research myself, they don't have the strongest representation in Washington, D.C. I feel that most like policy people don't want that other than their CEO recently. But before him, like none of the big lobbyists and all that want ByteDance, a Chinese company on their resume. And Google and Amazon and Facebook have swallowed up with some of the best people there that represent their companies in DC. So I always knew that ByteDance would run into this issue, but I don't know what's going to happen because I, I, you know, I'm, I'm not a big policy person myself, even though I've been trying to research and understand where is this going to go? You know, we have such a big business built around this. Is it something you've heard from any of your creators who have called you up or emailed you and said, what's going on with this? Is this something I need to be worried about? Last 48 hours, everybody's freaking out. And my advice has always been the same advice. Don't be dependent on one platform. You know, especially a lot of the TikTok creators, not the ones that we represent because we're well-balanced everywhere. We're big on everything. We're even focused heavily on Snapchat right now. But I think it's important for a creator to move their following and build businesses outside of TikTok. You saw that with Vine, you know, when Vine was going through something similar and it wasn't because of DC, it was because Twitter didn't give a shit about Vine. You know, we went to every Vine creator 
Twitter and said, hey, Twitter doesn't really care. We don't even think they care about Vine. They don't care about you. Time to move your following elsewhere. And some of the top YouTube creators are former Vine creators. That's the advice I have to give to all creators on TikTok is spread your following everywhere. Don't be lopsided towards one platform. John, thank you very much for joining us. <laughs> Thanks. Oh, you know what else is crazy is this TikTok thing is no coincidence that this TikTok thing is happening now after like TikTok creators were supposedly responsible for Tulsa, like no one's showing up to the Tulsa rally two weeks ago. And then all of a sudden, two weeks later, now Trump wants to ban TikTok. Do you think that's related? No coincidence. You got to think about it. Like I, I'm on TikTok a lot. I have not seen one Trump supporter on TikTok. This app of a couple hundred million people is all like young kids, right? There's no Trump supporters. There's no official Trump account. No one from his team is on TikTok, right? So this like app is all like non-Trump fans, you know, and it's just a coincidence that we're heading towards November and the one app that doesn't really support him, you know, with everything happening in the world, we, you know, we're going to talk about taking down TikTok. Welcome back. What we're watching today is Brooks Brothers, America's oldest apparel retailer, which this morning filed for Chapter 11 bankruptcy protection and said it will close more than 50 of its stores. Why it matters is that this is the latest victim of the retail apocalypse, which seems to be spreading. Unlike some of the other retailers that have gone down, though, Brooks Brothers didn't do it because it had lots of debt from a private equity takeover. Instead, its problem is that it's a staid brand with flat sales for the past three years and around 80% of its revenues coming from brick and mortar stores many of which are located inside of pandemic shuttered malls. Today, we're also watching United Airlines, which warned that it may need to furlough up to 36,000 workers, representing around 45% of its U.S. workforce. How come? Well, because the travel industry isn't rebounding as fast as it had hoped, with United saying that July plane capacity is expected to be down 75% from the same period last year. And finally, we're watching roller coasters, Specifically in Japan, where some amusement parks are open, but you're no longer allowed to scream on thrill rides because that could help spread COVID-19. So what are you supposed to do instead? Well, according to a video posted by the Fuji Q Highland Amusement Park, you should, quote, please scream inside your heart. To be honest, that's pretty good advice for all sorts of things in 2020. And we're done. Big thanks for listening. And to my producers, Tim Shovers and Naomi Shaven, have a great national freezer pop day. And we'll be back tomorrow with another Axios recap.